ready. Ready to cut through the BS and hear some ways to drive your business forward today? Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan and thank you so much for coming back for another week of tips and tricks to help drive your business forward. This week everybody, we are talking about one of the topics that I actually personally love talking about, which is sales compensation. How do you pay those golden children of the business? How do you make sure that you're always driving the behavior that you want from them? And most importantly, how are you going to make sure that you're not paying them too much, that you're not making money for the business itself? So that's what we're going to tackle this week, guys. So when we are talking about comp, right, this is actually, I, I, I have no idea why I got to love this so much. Um, it, reality is, is that as a business, you know, when you're running a sales operation, this is typically the the one topic that most sales managers cringe to actually have to deal with. But in reality, this is the topic that all of us should be going through all the time. Because when we're talking about our sales comp, man, I mean, this is make or break for most businesses. So many companies, they plug in a sales comp plan that they might have learned from the industry uh, or picked up from a competitor or something, plug it into their business and just hope, right? And that's it. And then someone like me comes in and I start looking at this thing and I'm like, ha do you know you're actually losing money for the first nine months of your every single deal you sell because your comp plan sucks? And you know, the owner then just is like, what are you talking about? This is what everyone runs. And it's like, yeah, well, you are not everyone. So um, when we're talking about comp, okay, so let's, let's just jump right into this topic here. When we're talking about comp plans, I will tell you that the thing that I have learned quickly is that the comp plan of the business must be as unique as the business. Now, if you just take the comp plan of one of your competitors or just something you hear as an industry standard or something you just admire and love and you don't tweak it to your specific organization, you are bound to run into massive issues with your sales team. Uh, You are either going to run into retention issues Uh, You are going to run into uh, payout issues as far as profitability goes for the business uh, or some other multitude of problems that you can run into when the comp plan is not built specific for your business. So what we do here at BizSprints when we are starting to engage an organization in helping them restructure, rebuild, or just build their comp plan from the ground floor up, we really start at, you know, we start at the end, right, which is what are the goals of this business? Uh, that's why most of the time, the organizations we work with, uh, when we are actually building the comp plan out, uh, most of the times we, we don't normally engage with a company just to build a comp plan if we're also not helping them drive their strategic plan and strategic goals for the organization. The reason is, is because those two are so aligned. Uh, because, I mean, undoubtedly, right? One of the goals of the business, you know, one of the strategic goals of the business every year is going to be a revenue goal or a profitability goal or an EBITDA goal or something like that, right? Well, your sales comp plan is a direct derivative of that goal. So, you know, we found is that if we're not helping drive that goal in the business, it's very, it's very difficult to then build the comp plan around it. So, 
just to kind of preface it that. But once we know that goal and once we know where we're heading towards, right, even if it's for the year, and, and this is an important piece for me just to take two seconds to step aside and mention, which is your comp plan, though dangerous to rewrite, does not mean it is a chiseled in stone document that is never to be touched again. That That is a ridiculous sentiment that sales teams around the world have you know tried to make it sound like, and it's total BS. I, I'll tell you, I was with one organization where quite literally we changed that comp plan every year over year. Um, many years we were actually enriching it. Uh, some years we, yeah, we had to make some tweaks that were a little bit harder, but it wasn't ever to a point of where we're like, okay, this is impossible to achieve and none of you guys are going to hit it. No, we walked all the team through. We made sure we had their buy-in before we did it. We explained all of our, uh, you know, initial, uh, intentions behind it and got their input. And from that, we then would derive the final comp plan for that year. And I'm telling you like for four years, literally every year for four years, we rewrote the comp plan. The fourth one, we actually kept for about six years, I think it was. They, I think they're still running it today. And what this taught me was that you know, the ability to change the comp plan around is okay, as long as it's being done in coordination with the sales team, with their knowing and understanding, and that the team is being invested in quickly so that they can maximize their ability to earn on this new comp plan. There's no reason you can't change this thing. And you know, it always has to be done, though, with the best intention. And that's, I think, the key. If you're just tweaking the comp plan to increase profitability of the business, but it's at the detriment of your sales force, then you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. I always say is that the comp plan and the business objectives must always be aligned harmoniously. So uh, let me give you a quick example here. So at one of my last organizations, when I first walked in, uh, they asked me to rewrite the comp plan from the ground floor up for the sales department. And what their their focus, I mean, their 100% line of sight focus was at that point was market share. They're like, we need as much market share as we f- you know, physically can get. We need everyone to sign, basically. And I'm like, okay, well, great. I'm going to build you a comp plan that's going to do exactly that. So we built a, and you know, we built a, everyone had a baseline salary so they could pay their bills. Uh, we then built in an OTE. Uh, for you who are not familiar with OTE, that means on-track earnings, well, which basically means hit these guidelines and you get extra money and a bonus. Uh, so we built in an OTE, and then we built what I call an in-and-out plan. An in-and-out plan, you know, just to quickly sum up, is basically a plan that pays large amounts of compensation the second um, a step is taken. So it's like, you know, basically you get the deal contracted, you get a huge chunk of money. The deal goes live, you get another huge chunk of money, and then you're done. So there's no residual on these deals. Even though this was a residual-based organization that got money month over month, we basically cashed you out right away. And the reason and the intention behind it is, of course, is that we want you moving on to the very next deal. So yeah, you just made a big truckload of cash, but there's no more money behind that. Like you need to go get more. And if you don't hit your OTE on your on-track earnings, you're not going to get your bonus every month to make sure you're feeding yourself, right? So it's it's very it's an aggressive type of comp plan. But again, it was built to very single-sided, which is go get market share fast. And that's what we did. And we ran it, and it worked it worked great. The team was excited; they were pumped about it. Um, now, fast forward, right? Almost nine months, or almost, it was basically about a year later the strategy and the intention of the business tweaked a little bit, you know, so now we needed to tweak it to where we are looking at, uh, you know, we could really kind of take on anyone now. So we need a market share, but we really could take on a huge diverse market share. Uh, but at the same time, 
we needed companies who were growing and we needed a lot of, we needed bigger organizations as well. So we wanted to sweeten the pie. So we did two things. One, we wanted to better align the sales team with the uh, with the focus and goals of the business. So what that meant is larger revenue customers. So what we did is we installed a, a plan that actually allowed for still in and out, right? So you can still make that quick load, you know, quick bunch of cash, but now it was stair-stepped to where basically as the revenue grew of the organization, you got a hit of money. So if it took a year, it took a year. If it took three years, it took three years. It didn't really matter. We didn't care. It just meant is that the faster that we saw larger revenue inside the client, the faster you saw more commission in that. And we, we put a huge, I mean, the number went up significantly as far as where they could actually earn to and make a lot more money off of these deals. In addition to, we tightened up the OTE a little bit, right, on the on-track earnings uh, because we knew it was critical. But how we tightened it up, which is actually even more important, is we did it with the sales team. We, I mean, I, I remember I literally sat in a meeting with my entire sales force, and I'm like, okay, guys, we need to rewrite OTE. It's just not working right. So let's talk about this. And we did, and we rewrote it. It was awesome. It was such an engaging, and they understood what you know why we were doing it, what we were working on, and we built this thing together. And they were so bought into it. And also, too, we wrote, rewrote literally the entire pipeline, you know, the working method, everything we wrote together, and they were totally vested into it. They knew they made it a little bit harder on themselves, but they also knew that it was going to drive the results that were going to make them better and make them ultimately more money. So really worked out well. And like I said, that was, you know, basically in one year after another year, we changed that whole comp plan. It is okay and nothing to be afraid of to do it. So let's get into, you know, you just heard some, you know, I know I just rambled through, I mean, I sped through exactly what I'm talking about here on this podcast, which is how to build these things. So let me give you some of the, basically what I say is, which is the four uh, pillars of every single comp plan. The four pillars of the comp plan, which you basically heard in my little story right there, is, is number one, behavior. What is the behaviors that we want to drive the team to do? So is it to drive large market shares, to drive large revenue clients, is it to drive very sticky long-term contract clients? Is it to drive, you know, high volume, uh, you know, one-time sales? So is this project based? You know, what is it? What is that specific behavior we want to drive inside the sales team as far as what is the client type that we're looking for? Number two, we want to make sure that, you know, what are, uh, again, it's defining an alignment of the goals and of the company. And what I mean by this is, is, you know, similar to number one, right, which is, you know, what are the behaviors? But number two is, is we want to make sure that inside of those behaviors that we're also aligning them with the company's goals as far as how much revenue can we take on this year? How many customers can we take on? You know, what is, what is going to allow us to still stay profitable? but still grow at the pace in which we need to grow. So what, is those, what does that require for the business? The next one is, is the person. And this is what I mean by the person is, is I'm talking about the retention and the recruitability of the role. So if you're, for instance, in high volume, high dollar uh, software sales, right? There is a huge demand for salespeople in that arena, uh, especially top talent. And the money that these companies can offer is significant because of their profitabilities. So when we're talking about the comp plan now, we have to start looking at, does it have the ability to retain these salespeople and ensure that they're seeing the type of earnings rates that a high-performing 
uh, salesperson in their role should be able to hit to. Uh, and I'll tell you, and just you know, every industry has a different number. Uh, commonly in the B two B world, just in case you're curious, in B two B and high dollar sales, if you're talking about multi million dollar sales, that number, you're, the sweet spot is right around that three hundred and twenty five to four hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year. That's where you want to try to keep your salespeople at all times, because if you can keep them there, they're now in a lifestyle that is a great lifestyle that they want to live in, but. It's not at a place to where they're making so much money that they can just sit on their heels. You know, it's they because they typically are going to have now more kids. They're typically going to get themselves into a bigger house, more expensive cars. And again, like I said, it's just building a lifestyle. And it's a great lifestyle income rate for salespeople because they become highly dependent upon that income and how they make that income, which is through more sales. So just as a side note. So that's that's three, right? The fourth one is what I will tell you is far and beyond one of the most important, which is the manageability of it. And now when I say manageability, what I always I always go to a uh, saying that I've had for years is that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So what I mean by that is, is that it must be simple enough to be able to measure at every single step. If you have some crazy comp plan put in place, um, think here, I'll give you a great example of crazy comp plan, right? Like multi-level marketing, right? Network marketing companies. I actually, I build and design these things. So let me tell you about crazy complexity. Those things are insane. And if your business, if you're a B2B company and you have a comp plan that resembles anything like that, you really screwed up. You need to have, it should be very easy, especially in a B2B environment, guys. If you're in a B2B environment, your comp plan needs to be simple because that's how you're going to sell it to salespeople to want to come and join your business and be involved in it. If it's too complex, it's going to be very hard to measure. It's going to be even more hard to manage. And then you're going to not really be able to give your team the line of sight they need to be able to really be successful in that plan and sit inside those sweet spots that your industry or your uh, that demands for those people to be at to stay hungry. So with those four pillars in mind, right, then what we do is, is we start to line out the comp plan. Uh, what I what I personally love to do is, is I draw these things out and I usually draw the four pillars out and I say, okay, guys, let's talk about the number one big, you know, BHAG. What's the big hairy audacious goal that we want to hit on each of these pillars, right? So, you know, if it's behavior, we want to say then, let's say for instance, we want 85% of all sales to be uh, Fortune 500 companies. Okay, great. So we want to drive behavior that's going to only drive people to hit those. Cool. All right. We want to be able to measure this on a day-by-day basis to see this, you know, the progress that the team is making, even though that the sales cycles on these things are going to be six months long. Okay, that's a huge BHAG, right? Okay, understood, but that's in there. Uh, and then we say, you know, we want a person who is going to be, you know, fully engaged into this and typically, let's say, on the road, meeting with clients face to face at least 60 to 70% of the time. Okay, another understood uh, behavior that we're looking to drive. The final thing is, is we have a pretty non-competitive space, but salespeople are very hard to find because we're in a very specialty space. So we need to make sure that when we do get people though, we do retain them, but we also have the ability to draw them in from our competition because typically it's much harder to train these people in than it is to just steal them. Okay. So we then write that one up and these now become the guiding lights, right? So these become the guiding principles in which we're now going to design the plan out. 
And then I start asking questions typically. I'm like, okay, are you know, is salary, you know, is it salary plus commission? Is it, you know, just salary? Is it a draw against, you know, kind of what's what's common in the industry? Because you, you know, the commonalities in the industry do need to be there. You don't want to have to try to reinvent the earth because now you're trying to sell something that's not common inside the space. Um, just for, you know, for the story in this, you know, this conversation, let's just say, for instance, it's salary plus commission, pretty standard, especially in the B2B market. So then we say, okay, what are the salary levels? And this usually requires HR and recruiting to get involved. And when we're talking about salary levels, here is, I guess you can kind of say a controversial thing that I like to personally do, um, especially my sales teams, is I look at what is the bottom, what is the top? And most companies, of course, then say, okay, great, we'll go right in the middle. And what I challenge them is I say, no, let's pay a top. And I say, and let's actually pay a little bit above top of market. And I will tell you, undoubtedly, I always get an owner be like, okay, you're crazy. I don't even know why you're in the room with me right now. And I, t- and I explained to them, though, is that if you're paying top of market, right, this now is setting a standard that I don't, I don't need all the extra BS, right? I don't need to try to deal with, I'm expecting, if I'm paying top of market, I'm expecting top talent. And I'm not just, I'm not saying that top talent only comes for top pay. That's, I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you guys right now. What I am saying though is that it demands the highest performers are in the room at all times. And if you're not the high performer, you need to weed yourself out or we're going to weed you out extremely fast. It drives a re- it drives the business to do what every single person like me tells you to do all the time. Hire very slowly, but fire very quickly. Because if that person isn't top talent and you're paying top dollar, you damn right better get rid of them quickly because you're wasting your money. But it forces the business to act like that and really do what it's saying it's going to do. So I really motivate businesses all the time is that I know it's a hard nut to crack and I know it's it, it's going to it's going to hurt when you first have to do it. But pay top talent. Pay top dollar for top talent because and ultimately that is what's going to help you find that real unicorn coming into that role, especially in sales, right? It's don't be afraid of paying. It's okay. If they're top talent, they're going to give it to you a hundredfold. I mean, and, and maybe a thousandfold. It's worth doing it. So that's salary, right? And, and that usually takes probably about a good day to debate through with my owners and entrepreneurs that I'm working with. Then we get into the really complex part, which is commissions. How are we going to do these things? And there's a million ways to slice this bread, right? It's like you could do this so many different ways. It's scary. You know, you could do no commissions and just do a bonus program. You could do a pool program where all the salespeople are selling into a pool and then it's divided equally across the team. You can do a competitive uh, system to where the top earner actually earns a higher percentage of all the uh, all the commissions over someone else. You could do just a more traditional program. If you're like a residual revenue company, you might do like an old 3-2-1 where it's 3% of the revenues each month over month for the first year, 2% then 1% and then it goes away. Uh, you could do a much more uh, plan for like a longevity, which is like a two, two, one and a half, which is 2% for the first two years, 1% for year three, and then a half percent for the life of the contract, right? Um, you could do something with earning equities perspective. You can do something with you know options. There's there's a million, million systems that work out there. Uh, you heard mine also, like an OTE or an in and out. 
there's a ton of these things, right? And some of these things that we invented, right? And we have a ton of tricks up our sleeves with this. What works is what's going to work for the business. And it's going to what's work for your industry. So this is where we really get line of sight with the ownership and the leadership of the business to make sure we go through the breath with you. And we say, okay, like we said, let's go through those four pillars. Now, what do we need to do to achieve those four pillars? You know, you just said you want the person out on the road. And the reason you want them on the road is because you haven't invested in, let's say, client services or, you know, account management heavy. And you really depend on the salesperson to own that relationship. Okay. That means they need a vested stake in the longevity of the of the business, which might lead us to then paying them a percentage of the revenues ongoing. Because now they have a vestment, you know, they're invested in that company staying and growing uh, as you go. So that gives us a first key marker, right? Uh, we also said that we want to make sure that they're targeting just high net worth clients. Okay, so there's another objective. So what we might now say, and you know, we all know those have huge sales cycles, huge. So we now say that is, is these salespeople are not going to get a lot of sales, but the sales they get are going to be worth a ton of cash. So what we need to do is we need to make sure they're well fed along the way. So that might lead us down an OTE path, right? An on-track earnings path, which is, okay, what are the, you know, let's make sure we're compensating them to taking the steps they need to be taking month over month, quarter over quarter, whichever, to be leading them down the path to seeing those conversion rates to get those Fortune 500 companies in. So that is another marker that we then look at. Then we keep continuing to go down this path and we keep continuing to look down each of these pillars, each of these objectives, each of the things that the company says it needs to do and each of the things that it likes and dislikes about, you know, you know what it's going to like to make sure we're pushing in the market. We then top it all off with, okay, now how are you going to support this sales team? The reason we top it off with that is because in our opinion, that is the, the real critical element to how we're going to compensate these people. If the if corporate or you know basically top leadership is not going to be willing to invest in these salespeople coming in on a regular basis to receive continual education, ongoing training, new you know mentorship abilities, new train you know whatever it is, you know uh, continue to train them on their own product and services, that tells us quickly that these people are going to have to kind of be self reliant, and in addition to that we're going to have to build something in there that's going to allow them to really be able to invest into themselves and get the education they need on their own products and services and really almost allow for them to function as their own business, which leads us typically down a path of, okay, how do we compensate these people to where they almost feel like they own their own business? And this might be something like profit share. This could be stock. This could be a lot of things. Um, But these are important things that we bring up. And I'll tell you, so many of the leaders that we work with in businesses, they don't don't even think about this. They're like, oh, well, we train them. I'm like, okay, how? They're like, oh, we put them through a two-week onboarding when they first start. I'm like, okay, great. Then what? Uh, We... You know, if we change the product, we will send them a packet and we'll have a conference call with them. I'm like, okay, great. How often is that? Well, we change our product on a monthly basis because we do upgrades and we're agile, right? Um, And then we usually send out those packets maybe, I don't know, every quarter, every other quarter, maybe annually. And then you actually go and you do the homework on it. It's like, oh, no, we haven't sent one of those packets in three years. And we've changed the product every month. It's like, come on, guys, you ain't doing nothing. 
And this is, and we see it constantly. Or you might get a company on the opposite side of it. We're like, oh no, we, we bring them in every quarter. And they do. But what do you do with them? Oh, well, we, you know, we go to this hotel, we have a celebration, we give an award and money to the top sales earner. Um, and I'm like, okay, great. Where's the training? And they're like, oh, we bring in a speaker. I'm like, okay, well, where's the training on your product? You know, <laughs> just like, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's important, isn't it? You know, it's just, but again, all of these things lead us to how we are going to build out this comp plan and also to what the type of person we are going to need to bring in to be successful in this business. Because all of this, all of this, everything I just went through, right? What is this all leading us to? What this is all leading us to is, is how are we going to make sure we're driving the revenue into the business to make sure we're staying profitable on a regular basis and seeing the results that we need to see out of the sales force. And guys, I'll tell you, this, this is all the pieces that go into it. This is why these comp plans are so critical. Because as you can tell, I mean, I'm hoping as you guys can see as this podcast has gone along here, that the comp plan digs out of the business all of the things that are going to end up resulting into what the sales force is going to look like. What is the structure? What is the hiring criteria? What is going to be the pipeline? What is going to be the vetting? What is the marketing needs going to be? What is the support needs going to be? Do we need a sales engineer? Do you know how many people are going to end up having to travel to these deals? What is the you know presentations going to look like? What does those sales cycles look like? What is the forecast going to look like from that? What are the revenues we can expect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of it, all of it begins at the conversation with the comp line. So this week, guys, what I'm going to leave you with is this is open that comp plan up, guys. If you guys haven't, if you have not educated yourself on what your current sales comp plan is, um, I don't know, go do a shot of tequila before you go do this thing because it's going to be a rough day for you. Um, I'm just joking around. But it's seriously, it's take a big breath because if you've not looked at your comp plan in a couple of years or if you've never looked at that uh, for sake, um, you're you're going to be in for a little bit of a shocker, and I'm going to tell you it's it's not going to be the day you're gonna you're going to need to take a big deep breath and promise that you're not going to go flip out on someone, uh, because ultimately what you're going to probably end up finding is that your comp plan is either going to be far too rich, uh, meaning you're paying your salespeople way too much and probably draining from your profitability, or which is more the case. You're starving your salespeople. And I mean, you're starving them, like you're starving them to death. And that's why you're not seeing the performance you're wanting to see out of them. Uh, And it's typically one of those two um, sides. Just, you know, it's never, it's rare, 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 rare that I see a company where they're like, oh, yeah, our comp plan's perfect. Uh, No, it's usually one of the two extremes. What do you do then once you find that? What I will tell you to do, guys, is this if you find that your comp plan is starving your team, do not. Repeat myself. Do not go and just enrich that sales compound. You're going to do yourself an even worse injustice and end up on the other side. What you need to do is, is find quickly find a person who understands comp and bring them in. Um, this can be our team here at BizSprints. We'd love to help you. Just visit BizSprints.com uh, or email us at takeaction at BizSprints.com. We'd be happy to help you. 
If you know someone in sales who's done sales leadership, sales management, press on them. If you have a sales VP, sales manager, sales director, whatever, you'd need to, I would be in their office freaking out because those sales comp plans should be being presented to the leadership team annualized, being reviewed annually, if not, I mean, they should be reviewed monthly, if not quarterly. But every year as a leadership team, you should be getting presented to you from your sales leadership telling you, here are the good, the bad, and the things that we might want to think about tweaking the sales plan. And then making the ultimate decision as a leadership team on what you're going to do with that. If your sales leadership is not doing that for you, you guys, they're failing you right now. And you need to make sure that they get themselves caught up quickly. They might just not know they're failing you, just so you know. They just need to be understood that this is something that is literally line of sight to the heartbeat of your organization. This is the fuel for your engine. And if your sales team is not humming on all cylinders, this is one of the big reasons why is your comp plan screwed up. Because if the comp plan screwed up, that means your hiring criteria is probably screwed up, which means that you probably have the wrong cheeks and seats and or that you're running the wrong initiatives inside your pipelines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera and scary. (laughs) So guys, this week, open that comp plan up, read through it, really read through it, do the math on it, get an Excel sheet out, factor out how much money are these people really making. Look then into your payroll, find out how much are they really getting paid? Are they gaming this thing? You know, because I'll tell you, there's a lot of things in comp plan that you can do to game it. Mm. You know, are you starting to see sandbagging? Are you seeing a lot of things? make sure your comp plan is humming on all cylinders, guys. And like I said, if it's not, you need to fix this thing right away. This is something you need to take very seriously. You don't need to just put on your back burner and be like, oh, I'll get to that in six months because we're way too busy right now. No, this is something you need to like literally stop the presses and be like, this has got to get fixed. Because guess what, guys? If you're busy, that means you're putting all that water through that pipe's in your sales team, and you're either starving them to death unfairly uh, at the profitability of the company, which just is not a good thing to do for morale and your business, and you're probably just killing the culture of your company, or you're paying all that profit that you're hoping is coming out of all these sales right into their pocket instead of the business's pocket to be able to pay everyone even better and make a better organization to grow even more. So guys, get your head into that comp plan. Look through it. If you have any questions or any help, or if you guys want to give me some input and feedback from once you do look at that, I'd love to hear it. So please feel free to email us again at feedback at bizsprints.com. We'd love to hear some of your stories after you uh, read through some of those comp plans and things you found, uh, because we definitely will probably bring them up in later episodes. So guys, until next week, I wish you best of luck. You know, get your head into those comp plans. But until then, to your success and prosperity, my name is Michael McMillan. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. This evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it.